Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Hi, and welcome to In the Oil Patch. I'm Alvin Bailey alongside our host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, great show today here from the Shale Studios. We also are going to talk to Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Plus, you are going to have the chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. Now, Kim, before we bring Commissioner Sinton on to visit, let's talk about some of the recent events that have happened out in the oil patch, namely Halliburton's New Sands Project. That's right. What an exciting announcement. Um, When we did State of Energy, if you remember, in December, we had the vice president of Halliburton um, on stage, and he covered a little bit of this. And so now um, they actually held their official ribbon cutting at their facility. And, you know, Halliburton continues to make huge investments in the city of San Antonio and surrounding counties. The facility that they built out on the south side of San Antonio has been the first building that they have actually constructed from the ground up um, in like 12 or 13 years. And this sand mine is the same. It's the largest sand mine that Halliburton owns, actually. And it's located, get this, in Little Elmendorf, Texas. Uh, so can you imagine the the, the jobs that are going to be created for the city of Elmendorf and the revenue? So good for Halliburton. I think it's great for Halliburton. I think it is great for the city of Elmendorf. Well, and I, you know, I think we really should talk about how big this facility is. It's got the capability of offloading 150 rail cars and 450, 500 trucks, big sand trucks every day. That's huge. Eight silos. They've got a laboratory on site. This is a big deal. A very big deal for the south side. Well, I think what they're also uh, doing is putting a, their footprint down of letting all the operators and the majors um, know with that amount of sand and high-quality sand, they're going to be able to deliver uh, a great product line for the uh, you know oil producers and the, uh, the EMP companies. Well, and like Neil Schmidt said, he's the what is he the senior district manager for Halliburton, the San Antonio district. It, it's exciting for Halliburton and shows our commitment to continued growth of our asset base to be able to focus on long-term support of our market and customers in the Eagle Ford Shale. That's very important. Exactly. So uh, how exciting. But, you know, also in talking about service companies, we had also another uh, release on a totally different gear, which is uh, Trican, which is a pressure pumping company announced uh, that they would actually be pulling out of the U.S. due to the prices. Not such a great thing for them. However, there's already a company looking to acquire them, Keen, in which um, if they are able to purchase Trican, it's a game changer for them. They actually will now jump into being one of the big kids on the block. Uh, if you will. And so hopefully that acquisition occurs and uh, they actually will have now a a larger company uh, in the area servicing EMPs as well. Now let's talk a little bit, Kim, about what's going on with Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and give me some insight to the newest issue of, of the magazine and what do you have planned for this year? Well, you know, we just released our latest issue of uh, Shale and it's actually us. We are celebrating women in the industry. The importance of that is, you know, 
couple of years back when we began Shell, I, I have I can't tell you how hard it was to try to find a female executive for our cover, much less the content on the inside. And this issue is boy, I can't tell you how excited I am. It it is filled with great stories of all these women from business women, uh, oil and gas executives. Uh, our editor, Lauren Guerra, did an amazing job of pulling together some stories. And honestly, I believe that this is one of the best issues we've had so far. And of course, I think it's a testament to what 2016 is going to look like for Shale. Um, we have more interest in Shell Magazine than we have ever seen. <laughs> to be honest with you, something really funny happened over the holidays uh, to Shell Magazine, and that was... Um, we actually crashed our website. And think about that, Alvin. We actually crashed the website because there were so many visitors to our website that um, our website went down. That, that's really a good problem to have. So I hear, however. Um, <laughs> it has to be frustrating, but. Very. Uh, you don't really realize how important um, a good hosting company and making sure that you're taking care of your website is until it's gone. And, um, and there's nothing you to, you can do to get it back online. Exactly. For, you know, those days we were down, luckily it was just a couple of days, but uh, we felt very helpless. Um, and luckily our team, of course, came to the rescue. And, um, you know, we're just very blessed to have an amazing team and be able to, uh, we are weathering the storm uh, just the way I'd hoped. We, we are uh, doing very well as the magazine. So what's new for 2016 besides our latest issue is, you know, this show is growing uh, as well. Uh, exponentially. Exponentially. And in, in many ways, you know, last week having the uh, CEO of Canary LLC on, um, we have our co-host, one of our co-hosts that kind of rotates in and rotates out, the chairman of the Railroad Commission, David Porter. The fact that we have uh, individuals, major players wanting to come on and talk is is amazing. And I look forward to the next couple of months because we'll be exploring what is this lifting of the ban mean to us? Um, and, and how are things changing so quickly? You know, it, it is no longer, uh, I believe we're in a place where oil and gas is just a United States thing. Everything we do in oil and gas has a world consequence. So um, we're on the world market now. It's, it's not, it's not West Texas intermediate anymore. It's not lights. It's, it's priced on the world market. So it, we're in a different ball game. Did you notice how quickly um, when the ban was lifted and it was announced, how quickly WTI and Brent caught up with each other? Oh, yeah. So, you know, after 40 years, the ban being lifted, we're already starting to see what a great impact this is. To see that ConocoPhillips, one of our huge supporters, and New Star actually load a ship and start exporting uh, just occurred. That's amazing. Yeah, 500,000 barrels of oil leaves the port of Corpus Christi. And and believe me, those guys are geared up to do a lot more than, you know, 500,000 barrels per day. They, oh, yeah. Those is... guys are on their game. Yeah. Now, you know, I was on my way to the studio today, and I saw one of the old bumper stickers, drill here, drill now, pay less. Well, you know, and I got to thinking, we've done that. Now we're paying less. It's kind of hurt the industry a little bit for the short term, but we've got the export ban lifted. Where is this industry going to go from here? And I think that's a question that we need to pose to Ryan Sitton when we have him on the air in just a few minutes. But that is, I think, a great question. Where does this industry go from here? Exactly. Well, um, I want to ask you a question. 
So you are, we are actually taping in our own studio, Shell Studio. What do you think about the studio? I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Fernando's doing a great job getting everything put together. We've still got a, a few, you know, little final touches to put on things to, to get the sound exactly like we want it. But it sounds great. It looks great. And I think Shell Studios is going to do nothing but grow in 2016. I agree. You know, when we started the show almost a year ago, and uh, the purpose of the show was to help, um, while it's called in the oil patch and we focus on energy, energy topics and its importance, our real audience is the general public. And how much together we've grown of learning issues and the ins and outs of oil and gas. And while we know that we have a lot of energy folks that listen, uh, these topics are, our show is really designed to break down a very complex field in a way that is a manageable topic for all of us to understand. Well, everybody knows what the oil patch is. You mentioned the oil patch to anybody in the state of Texas, and, and they, they kind of immediately know what that term means. But sure, it means royalty checks or <laughs> trucks, depending on or traffic jobs or, or jobs. There's a whole bunch of different ways that people look at what energy is. But I, I think that most people, the perception is, they don't really think about energy. It stops at the gas pump. I just need to put gas in my car. They don't realize the process in which, where it starts and how does it get all the way into that product that I'm putting gas in my car or lights uh, in my uh, apartment or house or hair products, gel products, plastics. I mean, there's just such a huge market that we rely on, need. There, uh, there are countries that lack uh, energy resources, and they have higher fatality rates in infants and in their population because they don't have access to clean water, uh, food, because they have a lack of energy. This is a global issue, and yet the general public and perception is so limited in their knowledge because it is just a very complicated uh, topic and industry. And so this show, we, we, we try to break things down and uh, bring out into light topics. And that's exactly it. The oil patch, for somebody, you know, listening to this show in the state of Texas, the oil patch touches your life in in some way or another, whether it be at the gas pump or whether it be the truck that hauled the truckload of eggs to the grocery store that's going to feed your family breakfast tomorrow. The oil patch touches every aspect of our life in some way or another. And I'm not an oil and gas professional. But I know a lot of oil and gas professionals. Um, as, a, as a fleet specialist, you know, a year ago, I couldn't have told you what the difference between upstream and midstream and downstream is. And I didn't have a good grasp of the industry from, from you know, cradle to grave in, in digging that oil well and fracking that well and hauling that oil to the refinery to make that gallon of gas to put in my vehicle to go to work. I didn't have a good grasp of that of the industry from from that perspective, but today I I understand it a lot better, and it's in large part because of this radio show and, and some of the people that we've interviewed. I agree, and there's also a whole other area in which we are in an election cycle, uh, looking to elect a new president, and how important it is to have some knowledge of how important that next president needs to be in looking at how they perceive energy and its importance to us and the world. For instance, 
many individuals who care about the environment and care about other countries and are very generous in donating money to try to help feed children in Africa and save lives, for example, these countries need energy to, to increase their lifespan. Uh, so having uh, and electing elected officials that have the capacity to understand how important energy is is, is, is is important to us all. So this show, when we start learning more about energy, its needs, and how it affects us all and globally, it really empowers us to be able to elect people that we believe have the uh, capacity to help in bigger situa- in greater situations. And the desire. And the desire. You know, we have an abundance of natural gas in this country, and natural gas brings good, clean energy that's cheap to third world countries to be able to clean their water and power their homes and cook their meals. It's, it's an abundant resource that's available now on the world market to, to be able to be sold to these third world countries or Africa or where, wherever we may be selling this product to, to be able to offer them a better quality of life. You know, a year ago when we started this show, our hope was to create an environment that would encourage a learning uh, format for us all. And I think we've achieved it one year later. I couldn't be, uh, I honestly feel very blessed to be able to talk to and learn more on this topic. On the horizon for Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and in the oil patch. What a great question, Alvin, because a year ago, we had uh, a totally different market and the need what I, where I thought we were going as Shell Magazine is completely different than where we are today. We have, uh, obviously, this radio show. We also, though, are the only statewide publication. There are many great publications out there, however, um, they're more regional or they are more uh, international. Uh, I believe that we are fitting the need of being the only statewide publication in Texas that's focusing on uh, merging oil and gas and business sector together. Um, And so I look forward in 2016 to a greater future of us being able to expand in issues um, and and increasing instead of being a bi-monthly going into a monthly because the demand of having individuals on the cover and telling their stories has been increasing. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea, as of right now in January, uh, five of the six covers for the year are gone, telling me we are in demand. So I'm going to have to work really hard to get that sixth cover then. Huh? I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, and also I'm wondering, when am I going to get on the cover? Uh, never. But um, that's a good problem to have. Crashing of a website is a good problem to have. You know, it's funny, a year ago when we talked, it was everything you could do to keep up with magazine distribution and keep up with the calls coming out of the Eagle Ford area. Now, today, a year later, it's everything you can do to keep up with the statewide distribution and all the calls that are coming in from from all around the state. So next year, it's going to be national. Well, and let me remind you, we are in a tough climate, and we are still continuing to expand and grow so where we go in 2017, that'll be real interesting. I envision that we will have a very large team, have a huge distribution. There's discussions of taking Shell into other Shell plays and actually even into other countries. And if the demand keeps up, we're going to keep up with that demand as well. 
And with that, we do need to take a quick break. I'm Alvin Bailey alongside our host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today is going to be Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion. That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us info at shalemag.com that's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g dot com or call 210-240-7188 again 210-240-7188 shale oil and gas business magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing our digital advertising services include website email radio and social media shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side owner study. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. I'm Alvin Bailey, along with your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, I believe it's time to bring our guest, Commissioner Ryan Sitton of the Texas Railroad Commission, onto the show. Kim, take it away. Uh, Hello, Commissioner Sitton. How are you today? It's good to have you back on the show. 
I'm doing great, Kim. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we haven't had you on for a couple of months. Uh, and the, when we had you on, we wanted to introduce our latest elected railroad commissioner to our audience. Personally, I've gotten to know you uh, much better, and I truly believe that the best candidate that was running for railroad commission was elected. You're doing amazing things. You're actually a very interesting person as well, you, your wife, your family. So tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, why did you decide to run for office, and um, how do you fit into being a railroad commissioner? And um, Tell us a little bit about the company uh, that you, where were you working prior to uh, being elected to the Railroad Commission? Well, sure. And gosh, that's a, those are three great topics. I could probably use up our entire time segment with just one question, but I'll try to be efficient. Let me start with the, the last question you asked about the, the business that we were running. And um, to, to tell that story, I have to give even a little bit more backstory. So I think, as you know, I'm the, the first engineer to serve as a Railroad Commissioner in 50 years and actually spent my entire 20-year career prior to this, this segment or this segue into, into public office as an engineer in the energy industry. So I started off with a couple of big oil companies. And then in 2006, I started a company called Pinnacle. Now, Pinnacle's business is implementing reliability systems for all sorts of uh, industries. So oil and gas, refining, petrochemical companies, mining companies. Uh, anybody who has pumps and piping systems and pressure vessels, helping making sure those things operate safely and helping companies understand how to manage them and manage that integrity. Started that company in 2006, and we were very blessed, uh, really had great clients and an amazing team at Pinnacle. Uh, I stepped down a year ago uh, just before being sworn into office um, so that I wouldn't be both the CEO there and a railroad commissioner. A uh, new CEO is there now, but as I understand it, Pinnacle today uh, employs nearly 700 people, uh, does business all over the world, and I was its CEO for the first nine years of its existence, and uh, very proud of that background. So I jumped over into public service mainly because as, as our business was doing well and I was seeing the impact that elected officials could have on such a, a vital industry to the future, not just of the state of Texas, but of the entire United States, I realized that we had a shortage of people in elected office who genuinely had a working knowledge of the industry. I mean, let's face it, it's, a, it's an industry that is not very, I'll say not very sexy. Uh, when, you, when you look at kind of from a high level, it's not like high tech or medicine. Uh, it's, it's run and it's managed, it's led by people who have, uh, who are a lot of times engineers and accountants and technicians and geologists. And, um, and I think a lot of times that those groups of people don't tend to be drawn to public service. So, uh, I felt like if I could do this job and get into this job, that I could do it in a way that'd be really impactful. And I've been, been very, very excited to do it for the last year and have really enjoyed getting involved in, in understanding regulation and how do you do, how do you implement and manage regulations in a way that are very business friendly? At the same time, how do you do it in a way that makes sure that, that, that the, the consumer or the citizen out there, the constituents, if you will, that they're confident in how energy is being developed. And that means that when there are bad performers, people who don't operate responsibly, that you take them to task. And so that's been a, that's been a good experience. And I've really enjoyed having that impact um, and serving the state. You know, having Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine um, as an educational magazine to the public to help 
break down these barriers in which we we do realize that oil and gas is a very misunderstood industry and it's probably because it's an extremely difficult and technical industry and so the general public it's hard for them to understand um, the the nuts and the bolts of what's happening and and how uh, important this industry is the radio show is kind of the same thing and so having guests on like yourself to help uh, us all understand and get a better understanding of how complex oil and gas is but how important it is is so important uh, but that being said, I also, you know, want to ask you, um, the name Texas Railroad Commission, that's not really the job anymore in scope. So talk to us a little bit about what does the Railroad Commission basically do, its name, uh, how it came to get that name, and where are you guys today? Sure. Well, historically, from a historical perspective, I should say, uh, in 1891, the state legislature passed an amendment to the state constitution in which the which created the Texas Railroad Commission, and in doing so, created three elected positions, statewide elected positions, who were the railroad commissioners. And at the time, our primary job was regulation of railroads and construction of new railways and permitting uh, rail activities, all of those things. Well, the first responsibility for oil and gas came to to the Railroad Commission in 1915, and over the course of the next 100 years, more and more responsibilities for regulating oil and gas activities, from drilling and production to pipeline construction, um, even transportation of, of oil and gas uh, commodities, all of that would come under the purview of the Railroad Commission. At the same time, responsibilities for trains would transition more and more away. The last responsibility the Railroad Commission had at all of anything related to rail was in 2005. It was 10 years ago. And even at that time, really through the 50s and 60s on up, the largest chunk by far of the Texas Railroad Commission's responsibilities and its its manpower was focused on oil and gas regulation. So we have been a predominantly energy-focused agency for all of, the, of modern history, once again, from the last few decades. And there's been there has been bills in the legislature the last few cycles to change the name of the Railroad Commission to something like the Texas Energy Commission. In fact, when I was sworn into office a year ago, this my my first time in office, the legislature that was meeting in session at that same time, there was another bill. It was a constitutional amendment that would have changed the name to the Texas Energy Commission. And I supported that bill, even though I really love the history of the Railroad Commission. And it's got such a colorful past that that really is almost synonymous with the storied history of the state of Texas. I also realize that in this day and age, you've got 27 million Texans who want to know that this huge portion of our economy, you know, 40 percent of our economy that's related to oil and gas, they want to know that that's being done safely. And we need them to know that there's an agency that does that. And a lot of people don't realize it because of our name. So. Hopefully, in one of the upcoming legislative sessions, we'll see a constitutional amendment that will change the name of the Railroad Commission to something that tells people more what we do. Well, very good. With that, we do need to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto, visiting today with Commissioner Ryan Senton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, we'll be right back with more In the Oil Patch. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion 
That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will punish your work trucks day in and day out, and even your built Ford Tough trucks, well, they need to be serviced too. So, do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership, or do you call Teresa? You see, Bluebonnet Ford has Teresa. When you call Teresa, her team will pick up your Ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis. Most authorized repairs are done, and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days. That's the Bluebonnet difference. So don't let downtime cost you thousands. Call Teresa today and keep your fleet working. Here's the number, 210-643-4391. Again, write it down, 210-643-4391. Or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Blue Bonnet Ford, a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. I am Alvin Begley along with Kim Bellotto. We're visiting today from the Shale Studios in beautiful San Antonio, Texas, with Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Kim? Uh, Commissioner Sinton, can you talk to us a little bit about there is uh, news reports out currently about Saudi Arabia and Iran, and there's uh, some seriousness occurring with uh, both of these countries. So can you talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on what's happening out there? Sure. Well, keep in mind we've seen some a whole number of different events going on in the Middle East right now that 
are not necessarily related, but they all may have an impact on oil markets. So we've been following for a while all of the, the instability and, and civil wars that, that have been going on in a number of different countries in the Middle East. Uh, we have the recent Iran deal, where Iran has been trying to advance its nuclear program. And as part of a international, I guess, agreement, um, there, has been, there has been some agreement to lift the, the trade sanctions on Iran, which would allow them to push more oil on the market. You've seen Russia... Uh, attempting to play a bigger role in Middle East conflict and in Middle East direction. Uh, you heard the shot, the, the plane that was shot down as Russia has been trying to assist in certain areas. So all of the, and, and Russia is, of course, a large oil supplier. So all of these things are, are having small or medium-sized impacts on the oil business. And, of course, over all of this is a blanket about what's happening with OPEC. I think there was a story, a news story on CNN or U.S. News and World Report or one of them just in the last couple of days talking about some of the um, turmoil within OPEC. When you look at OPEC, the OPEC conglomerate controls about 30 million barrels of oil per day um, in a market or a global market that consumes about 93 million barrels of oil per day. So nearly a third of the oil comes from OPEC nations. However, uh, one nation in that group Saudi Arabia is the is by far the biggest player in terms of the amount of oil that they produce. Also, Saudi Arabia is differentiated from a lot of the other OPEC nations because they are one of the few that has substantial sovereign wealth. So while oil prices are really low, Saudi Arabia can continue to operate and fund its social programs because they've got a lot of money sitting in the bank. Kuwait is in the same situation, so is Abu Dhabi. But other countries like the South American countries and the, the North African countries that are part of OPEC, they don't have that sovereign wealth. So while oil prices are really low, are really low, they're struggling and they're suffering and they're hollering at the rest of the OPEC members saying, we've got to do something about this. So you're seeing a real interesting dynamic play out in OPEC where there's a huge disagreement amongst its members about what the right strategy is to manage oil prices. So given all of this scenario, there's a real opportunity for the United States, because as, I, as, as we've talked about before, most people out there want stability in energy markets. They want to know that they've got a fairly reliable, affordable supply of energy. And the United States is arguably, and I tell you, arguably, the United States is unequivocally the most consistent, most reliable producer of energy um, you know, when everybody's at their best. So here we have this opportunity in front of us. Yes, oil prices are down, which makes it challenging on everybody. But if we can stay the course and maintain a, a decent position over the next year, when oil prices come back a year from now, the U.S. is going to be in an exceptionally strong condition, given all of the instability in all of those other markets. We do need to take a quick break, but Commissioner Sinton, if you would hang with us through the break, and uh, we'll continue this conversation on the other side. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. Broadcasting today from Shale Studios in beautiful San Antonio, Texas, along with our host, Kim Bellotto. My name's Alvin Bailey. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. You know, I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you how Blue Bonnet Ford sells more Super Duty trucks than any other dealer in South Texas. I could also tell you that Blue Bonnet Ford sells more fleet vehicles than any other Ford dealer in South Texas. I could even tell you about the 13 President's Awards that Blue Bonnet Ford has received, but I'd rather tell you why. Look, it's no secret the oil patch will 
punish your work trucks day in and day out. And even your built Ford Tough trucks, well, they need to be serviced too. So, do you let them sit for weeks at your local dealership or do you call Teresa? You see, Bluebonnet Ford has Teresa. When you call Teresa, her team will pick up your Ford truck for service and provide you with a 24-hour diagnosis. Most authorized repairs are done and your truck is delivered back to the oil patch in just a few days. That's the Bluebonnet difference. So don't let downtime cost you thousands. Call Teresa today and keep your fleet working. Here's the number, 210-643-4391. Again, write it down, 210-643-4391. Or check us on the web at bbmotors.com. Bluebonnet Ford, a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion. That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. I am Alvin Bagley along with Kim Bellotto. We're visiting today from the Shale Studios in beautiful San Antonio, Texas, with Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Commissioner, on my way to the studios today, I saw one of the old bumper stickers that said, uh, what was it, drill here, drill now, pay less. And we did. And we're paying less. And then it was... You know, let's lift this export ban. If Iran can export oil, why can't we? And now we're on the world market. How has the U.S. in its policies been able to position itself and prepare itself for the next possible geopolitical event that may happen between the Saudis and Iran or or Russia pushing somebody around? Or Give me your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, before I, I can answer that, let's cast a little bit of history here. Everyone must remember that from basically 1950 on, the United States was a net energy consumer. In other words, we did not produce enough energy raw product in the United States from 1950 through to, through today. We did not produce enough energy 
for our own consumption. So we had to go out on the international market and buy raw product. And that was almost all crude oil. But we've been a net crude oil importer since, once again, since 1950 on. It reached a peak in 2008 when we were importing over 60% of the oil that we use in this country, which represented about 20% of the energy we used. Now, since 2008, over the last eight years, six or seven or eight years, uh, the state of Texas and the rest of the United States have produced so much more oil, and our energy spectrum, the different places that we use energy and how we use it in the United States have changed to the point that now we're only importing about 40% of the oil that we use, and that 40% represents something like 15% or, or maybe even getting close to 10% of the total energy that the United States consumes. So we're still a net energy consumer, but our our buying power on the global scale has changed dramatically. So this, where it used to be a supply-driven world, is slowly changing to a consumer-driven world. And that is due entirely to the fact that there is more, more oil on the market, and we, as the biggest energy consumer, are the ones producing it. So when you ask the question, you know, what is, talk about how policy or how moves have prepared us for this, it's been less, frankly, about what government's done. It's been more about what the independent oil producer has done and how technology has developed to capture oil out of some of these highly dense shale plays, making the Permian Basin, Eagle Ford, the North Dakota area, you know, Bakken crude, made all of these plays economical. And all of a sudden, now we're back in the oil business. And I think that if we play our cards right, we can stay on that course and the U.S. can become the most dominant energy uh, producer in the planet. How relevant do you think with all of these things occurring, OPEC is right now? And where do you see them also in the future? What a great question. And you have to say today, OPEC still is exceptionally relevant. They still are. They still control oil prices. In fact, I heard somebody recently say they referred to OPEC as Saudi and the 11 dwarves. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and, and look, at the end of the day, it is. Saudi Arabia has the most uh, variable capacity of any nation, period. Saudi Arabia's consumption is so much smaller than their production. They can vary the production more dynamically than anybody else in the world. And as a result, they're the swing producer and they control oil prices. And by bringing all the other OPEC nations into discussion, they've even established a, a stronger position. So today they're very relevant. Today they're still the leaders out there in terms of market prices. However, as I said a minute ago, you're starting to see some chinks in that armor because as other OPEC nations are going, man, you know, we don't really like this, this commodity environment. We don't like these production levels. There's an opportunity for some of that conglomerate to break up and say, we want to be in a freer market condition, and we want to compete head-to-head, and heck, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of follow the United States lead. Now, I'm not saying we form a conglomerate or go into, you know, go into partnership with everybody else, but simply saying that when there's free market conditions at, at play, it may make it easier for us all to be competitive long-term and so that their their relevance may slip away over the next decade. Well, and Saudi controlling the price of oil goes right back to stability in that region because if the royalty checks start bouncing or if the royalties aren't coming in like they had been, there's a group of people over there that don't like the group of people that live right next door to them. So, you know, sure. we get right back to stability. I don't know if you saw this. Just this last week, there was a story in, the, I think, the Wall Street Journal that uh, Saudi Arabia, so so Saudi Aramco is the Saudi national oil company. They're talking about uh, taking that company public, 
selling shares in Saudi Aramco as a way to raise revenues. So it's obvious Saudi Arabia is hurting as well. You know, one thing, an interesting anecdote that I'll tell you, and people don't realize how quick, how quickly the dynamic can change. You know, in 1972, OPEC and Saudi Arabia did not control oil prices. It was the Texas Railroad Commission that controlled oil prices. But what happened when the Middle East oil embargo, the first of the two Middle East oil embargoes, was put into place, uh, the the Texas Railroad Commission set all their allowable levels at 100%. And when they did that, OPEC and Saudi Arabia became, in, in a matter of less than months, they became the force that controlled oil prices. Well, now that Saudi Arabia is dumping a lot of oil on the market, if the Railroad Commission tomorrow decided that they were going to reinstitute – well, they currently already have allowable levels, but if they were going to set allowable levels below 100%, all of a sudden, overnight, the Texas Railroad Commission would be controlling oil prices again. It wouldn't be Saudi. And people don't know this. It would only take two people. It's not an act of the legislature, not an act of the Senate. It doesn't take the governor. All it would take is two railroad commissioners to decide that we were going to set allowable levels below 100%. We could raise the price of oil tomorrow. Two makes a quorum. So if I call David Porter or Christy Craddock and the, I say, call, I can't do that, but it's an open session, an open conference. I, I said, I'd like to bring up this issue. We talk about it, decide we're going to set allowable levels at some, some number below maximum. Price of oil would go up tomorrow, and all of a sudden the Railroad Commission would be controlling global oil prices. Has there been any discussion on that, and what would be uh, the benefit to, to doing that? Would we move into being the swing producers? So... Uh, what a great question. You know, when you look at, so are there discussions happening? There's no serious ones. People ask me about it all the time because people who have been around the industry for a long time remember that we have the power to do that, even though we haven't exercised it in nearly 40 years, 50 years almost. Um, the reason we don't, someone were to ask me, well, Ryan, why don't you do that? I mean, holy cow, just, you know, cut, cut all the allowables down by 10%. And push the price of oil up, and man, we'd all we'd all be able to survive. And I tell people, look, here's why we don't do that. If I cut back, if I, as a railroad commissioner, came back with another railroad commissioner and cut Texas production, what would happen is prices would go up, not just for us, but prices would go up around the world. And all of a sudden, Saudi Arabia and Russia and everybody else is making a lot more money producing the same crude. Yes, we're making a lot more money, but we're not putting that crude in the market. And what would happen over time is that we'd have to continue to cut to push those prices up. And all of a sudden, it's our production that's coming more and more offline. We're just buying more overseas crude. What I think is better today is to allow the free market to play out, allow our oil companies to continue to go head-to-head with international oil companies. And I believe our guys are going to win. And what I mean by that is I think overseas companies and countries will stop investing in future oil production. And eventually that production comes offline, and our guys are the ones that are filling that market, and our guys are the ones making the money. What an interesting topic, Commissioner Sitton. We have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back within the oil patch. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. 
Let Emerjet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants, and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Emerjet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Emerjet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Emerjet.com. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion. That's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. If you want to grow your business in Texas, email us, info at shalemag.com. That's info at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com, or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services, from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone and call 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest-working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey along with Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Kim? Commissioner Sinton, there were a lot of um, oil and gas independent operators assisting, going down and testifying, and wanting to lift this ban. And there sure. was also a lot of negotiations that were occurring to get this uh, ban lifted. How um, and why do you think that uh, – People in the industry were so um, convinced that they needed to have the ban lift, lifted. What is the purpose of why they wanted to do this? Well, because they all, they also are thinking long term. So, if you ask, for example, the CEOs of Marathon or Anadarko or Pioneer, they'll tell you they're not just worried about the next twelve months; they're worried about the next five years. They've got companies to run, so they are looking long term and saying that in the long run, this is going to help us. And the reason to do it now is you want to do it while prices are really low. If you do it while prices are high, it's harder. I'm going to say this way. If you tried to do it when prices are high, it would be a lot harder. 
because when prices are high, everyone out there is really sensitive about how much they pay for gasoline. There are few things, few things that affect every politician as much as gasoline prices. So while gasoline prices are low, it's a lot easier to try and get a change done than it is when gasoline prices are high and everyone would be really ticked off and really sensitive about it. So they're saying, look, gasoline prices are high. It's a good environment to do this. Um, let's go ahead and get this done. It's not going to have any impact in the next year, two years, but long term, it's going to help. And I think that's where they were. Well, I think also we've had a couple of guests on on the show that have talked a little bit about what lifting the ban means to them and, and how uh, they see things. And it was also uh, a topic brought up about allowing uh, other countries to export and the United States could not. Um, and what place were we, uh, in what area were we landing, if you will, or uh, where were we coming in on a global stage, on a worldwide stage, with us not being able to export our own uh, crude? And so was it a matter of national security in that sense and uh, giving us greater leverage uh, in the world um, in, in that area of the commodity of oil and gas? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's, that's a good principle discussion. I mean, if someone said, well, how come it is Iran can export oil, but we can't export oil? That just doesn't make sense. I totally agree with that. Principally speaking, we should be able to do, and our producers should be able to compete anywhere they want to. And I believe, in principle, that's a good thing. Just because I think they should be able to doesn't mean that actually anybody's going to actually buy it. And that's so, so when you get down to the market conditions, the facts are, when you look at the areas around who are consumers of light, sweet crude, Europe, China, India, the growing economies, there are a lot of producers of light, sweet crude out there today who can who are geographically advantaged in from a dollar and an exchange rate perspective are also advantaged to sell them crude oil above us or in front of us. So so I agree with the statement that yes, absolutely we should be able to and I was a big proponent of lifting the export ban. But I was also very candid that it wasn't going to make any difference today. Wasn't wasn't going to drive prices up or create new markets for us today. This is a long term uh, this is a long term move, which is what governments should be doing anyway. Governments should should always try to not just focus on what's happening in the next six months or year. We should always be looking five years and ten years down the road. What rules and laws and regulations should we change to make the United States a strong place for decades, not just for the next six months? But I think the reason it's it's important to talk about it because some I have been places since people. Well, man, all right, we lifted the export ban. Now we're going to see, you know, this is going to help the industry in the state of Texas, right? I said, well, not anytime soon. You're not going to see oil prices go up. You're not going to see more drilling rigs or more pipeline infrastructure. Those things only grow when people start actually buying more product. And that's just not going to happen today. Commissioner Sinton, a quick question. Uh, I don't quite understand what a swing producer is as far as that right now OPEC is a swing producer and the United States. I've heard different people say the United States is now the swing producer, and then I've heard other people say that they're not. No, you, in fact, you ask a very good question. I think a lot of us, you know, I'm, I'm a big geek, really, and uh, a lot of us in the oil business that are big geeks, we tend to just kind of throw these terms around, assuming everyone spends time studying this stuff like we do, which, of course, nobody does. So the term swing producer specifically refers to the guy or the entity who covers the difference between what the world is using and what everybody but him is producing. So, for example, 
If I told you that the world consumes 93 million barrels of oil per day right now, which is about right, and if everybody out there, all the producers, you know, the Texas oil companies, uh, Malaysia, Mexico, South America, everybody was producing 90 or 85 million barrels before Saudi Arabia even was considered, right? Then you'd say, well, there's so the world is consuming 93 million, and everybody but Saudi is producing 85 million. Then if Saudi wants to control oil prices, all they have to do is decide, do I want to produce the perfect amount of oil? So I'll produce another 8 million barrels and produce exactly what we're consuming. Or do they say, you know what, I'm going to produce more than that, so I'm going to drive prices down. Or I'm going to produce less, so I'm going to drive prices up. So the swing producer is the guy who says, I'm going to fluctuate my production to match whatever the consumption is on the, on the global market. And right now, the only entities that are actively controlling production levels to match consumption is OPEC and Saudi Arabia. Nobody in the United States is saying, mm-hmm, you know what, I think we need prices to go up, therefore I'm going to cut back production. On the contrary, what's happening is they're saying prices are so low, I can't afford to produce, or they're saying, uh, man, I'm hurting so bad right now, i got to produce every barrel I can to try and turn a buck. So it's that market control, that last producer that is what we call the swing producer. Well, Commissioner Sitton, I want to thank you once again for being our guest in, in the oil patch. As always, I truly enjoyed uh, our show today and a visit from you. And please, anytime you feel like coming back, there's something important that we need to learn about the Railroad Commission is working on or you specifically are supporting something, please feel free. You're always welcome to come into studio and come in and co-host as well. That's great. We sure appreciate you uh, inviting me on and look forward to coming back in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Kim, what a great show today. And Commissioner Sitton, thank you once again for your insight on not only the oil ban getting lifted, but but all the other information that you're able to articulate with us about the oil and gas industry in the state of Texas. And you know what? It's it's trivia time. And, and I think, you know, let's do something different today for trivia, Kim. Um, if you're the first person to correctly email the answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com, you're going to win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston. And, Kim, let's do something a little bit different today. Okay. Um, we started the show off talking about Halliburton's new facility, and uh, let's come up with something about Halliburton for the trivia question. Great idea, Alvin. Okay, how about this? What is the little town in which this huge sand mine uh, is operating in? The first correct answer that is emailed to radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, will win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. And that about does it for this week's In the Oil Patch. For Ken Bellato and Alvin Bailey, I'm Roy Holly. So long. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.